Holy... What's up, TIW Mafia? JP here with Big Joe, and we're here with this guy. That's our leprechaun. Oh, wait, no, he's over there, our Irish leprechaun. This Hi, is, bro. for those who don't know, this is Jeff Ludy, a wrestler that trained under Killer Kowalski, a retired pro wrestler that trained under Killer Kowalski and wrestled for years as the Irish leprechaun. Sixteen years. That's... That's a long time. How many that you know of, how many people, I'll say of your stature, wrestled for, or trained by Kowalski? To the best of my knowledge, there was only three of us, and two of them are no longer with us. God bless them. One was Dana Carpenter, and another gentleman came under, and I don't even want to say he was even a midget. He was, he was just a very small gentleman, and his name was Mr. Foo. And he lasted maybe about a year in everything. But for what Walter taught him, I we yeah, we were a top show. That's you were on every poster. Mm-hmm. Literally. And hey, I was honored. Well, everyone needs a little luck. Hey, just a little. <laughs> just a little. I try to bring as much as we can. There you go. Now you wrestled the you're finding your bio on the internet is kind of tough because you, Midget it's wrestling isn't is mainstream right now. I've noticed we have, I am so, so happy and impressed with it because it has taken off back in the eighties and nineties, a gentleman named Whipper Watson jr. Up in Canada and myself and a couple of other little guys started to do an all midget wrestling show. And everything and that kind of we was doing bars and small clubs and stuff and it started to take off but we didn't have the talent that they have nowadays and the technology and the internet and i've watched it and i'm i'm smiling i'm like finally finally thank you thank you and it's beautiful the talent that they got nowadays there's a lot of it yes and the stigma socially behind the word midget <laughs> is 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 on par for many of your other words you can't say. Mm-hmm. You know? there's, there's two, in my opinion, there's two different meanings of that. Um, we're known as midget wrestlers, entertainers, okay? Society automatically consists of midget going small. But politically correct, Midget is also kind of a derogatory term. It's how you use it. If you say, hey, I'm going to go see midget wrestling, that's kind of a happy thing. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters. You know what it is. But if you look over and say, oh, look at the midget, totally different. So is it like, I always thought it was like only a midget can call another midget a midget. In a way, you're correct. You are very, very correct. Because it's there's like other races and everything that they call each other the same, yeah. and they can get away with it because it means totally different. So if that. you were in the locker room and you had beef with somebody and you started calling them a midget this and a midget that, it's it's you know I don't think that would probably come out because it's much better words to use when mm-hmm. you when you're cutting someone. I you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I actually think little person or dwarf is 
almost more offensive. Little person to me is is the most offensive. We live in a society now where big is hey, okay, let's I got more, I got big, <laughs> I got the most of it and everything. Little people go, Oh, that's so cute. I raise so kids calling them little people. Exactly. When they ask me, what do you prefer being called? I said, Jeff is a nice start. Um, there you go. Yeah, or the leprechaun. It depends on what the issue is. If you're at yeah. the supermarket, hi, I'm Jeff. If we're yeah. at a show, the leprechaun. It, it's different That's, each time. Yep. Good. That's a good way of putting it. In something that nobody can argue. No. <laughs> you know, it's no. Now, what years, when did you start training and what brought you to Kowalski School? <laughs> That's a good question, my friend. Very good question. Back in the early 80s, <clears throat> I just I was doing house painting and construction and all of that type of stuff. And I got a job with a gentleman doing his house with a gentleman way, way back named Wendell Weatherby. Oh, right. okay. Okay. And you're talking a couple of years back. And he looked at me and smiled, and he said, I have someone to talk to you. And he introduced me to Killer, Walter. And at that time, Killer School was in Chinatown in Boston, above an old movie theater and all hmm. that stuff, and Chinese restaurant. And what our, the ring was set up on was the stage. And that was where I mentioned earlier my first day, my first couple of weeks, I would get the step ladder. I was given a three-foot step ladder to climb it up, stand on the top, and I had to do 50 forward flips off the top and land on a mat onto my back, do 50 back flips, and then step into the ring, and Walter would start talking to me and teaching me how to fall properly, how to fight properly. I... I I have a feeling that many, many, many legendary pro wrestling stories started with one night in Chinatown in Boston. Back then, man, <laughs> and I hope you guys had them on and everything. We all know who we're talking. Back then, I knew him as Triple H and China and all of them. These were the guys that came to the school while we were being taught by Walter. That's and when you see them compared to now, they were kids. God bless yeah. them. They were kids. And I'm so proud of them now for yeah, what they did. Yeah. When, like Runs when Triple the, H first started, he was terrorizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What John Rodeo is his manager. Yep. Yeah, you're, starting, you're putting some age on us now. <laughs> but some years on us now. That stuff is cool again, though, because like even yeah. WWE is selling terrorizing shirts now. That hey, it's what I found over the years is is a cycle, is a circle. It will build up speed, pick up the momentum, everyone loves it, and then it quiets down for a couple of years, and then yeah. it comes back again and does it again and then again and stuff. <laughs> and that's the trick is now, how long you can last. Back then, independent wrestling wasn't what independent wrestling is today either, though. Like you guys wrestled. In front of thousands back then. Yes. From carnivals to theaters to even these big time shows. Big theaters where there'd be five, six thousand people jammed into a hall or something. 
Right, and, Kowalski yeah. and um, some of the guys that were before I started going to like I'm from I'm, I'm local as well. I'm me and Joe both from Boston. Before we I started yeah. going to shows, um, but guys like um, Tony Rumble, Walter. Yep. You know what I mean? They, they, there was no small independent shows. You couldn't get yeah. away with it. You couldn't sneak in with John Smith or something. The either one of those gentlemen, there was about three of them that knew who, what, where, when, and kind of had to go through them and stuff. Territory. It was basically a territory yeah. thing. And now with internet and TV and everything, this is the territory. Now, who do do you follow any pro wrestling now? Uh, I used to, but with my career now and my family and everything, I really don't have time to sit there. I watch it on Saturday morning, and it has, oh, my God, it has turned into Mm -hmm. such a multi-million dollar business. I'm impressed. It's it's basically, the way I look at it now, it's a soap opera where people take bumps. Yes, you it know, is that, a live event soap opera. And if anyone is a true wrestling fan, you see that. You see who has the feuds, who has the heated debates, and who will stand up with each for each other and everything like that. It's a soap opera. Today's podcast is presented by Podio. Podio is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podio. Apply today to become a, a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's Podio at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the Irish whip in the how did you hear about Podio section of the application. I think we probably already touched on it, but who we are... Like, biggest feuds, who did you travel the most with and, and wrestle? I've had the wondrous opportunity of from individuals from, like, Frenchie Lamont, Haiti Kid, the Tiger oh. Jacks, Haiti Kid, Tiger Jackson, uh, Little Louie, which, eh, Twitch, Twitch, I'm, he was one of my hardest components because he cheated a lot. Um, <laughs> and God bless him, he wasn't a midget. He was just a very heavy set short kid. Um and I kept telling him that. Oh, did that get him mad? These were like <laughs> my four or five main people until I went to like Japan or Mexico, and I would get some of the local ones from down That's... there. Now, did he? Now, so were you the the midget taunting the the regular the non midget? Is that what that was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was having fun with him. I said, even LPA, little people of America, would reject your butt. <laughs> and he just, he didn't know what to say and what to do. And he would get so PO'd. I said, you can't even be an average man or a midget, really? <laughs> and it was just work. It was just talk. Come on. Yes. Build up this heat. And the poor man, have you ever seen a grown man cry? It was actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You took the the gimmick of the leprechaun, but lived it in true style of a leprechaun. You were yes. a mischievous little bastard who busted people's balls every chance you got. Damn right. There you go. Don't stop. Damn right. Please don't no. stop. I, I, I can't. My my mom sat there and said, if you can't beat them up, make sure they remember you. Bust their nuts. If you can't beat them, make fun of them. You got it. But respect That's... them. Respect them and appreciate who they are. 
because <laughs> yeah, but make them laugh, make them enjoy themselves. And oh yeah, I had fun busting the balls, especially little Louie. He had none. His wife had them. Now, Joe Solenzer on YouTube wants to know who was your favorite as you were starting out. Ah, that's a good one. Dana Carpenter. Dana Carpenter was from Hobart, Mass. And but he taught me many things. He I worked with him for almost two and a half years. And he taught me because of his size. He was about a foot taller than me. And he was one of I told him and Butch Cassidy, who was one of my other favorites, too. I said, You guys got to team up. And they taught me how no matter the size, you can work with it. And they, as I said, I'd come up to their middle of their chest, but they taught me how to take a bump, how to work with the taller ones and everything. And that got me to work with the average individuals too. Okay. But those, those two guys were, I believe, one of my favorite teachers, actors now, and all that. Now, when you were training, was was Killer still like the head trainer there, or did he have um, other coaches in at that point? no. He was the one that stepped in the ring. He was the one that showed you how to That's... do a uh, backdrop and everything like that. And Killer, God bless your soul, my friend. Um, six six, six seven, yeah. and everything. And now imagine being four feet getting slammed by him. <laughs> uh huh. That woke yeah. you up. And he says there's a bad way of doing it, and there's the right way. And all of a sudden, he would pick me up. Whoop. Boom! In the middle of the ring. How does that feel? Give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> I got to breathe. Hang on. But he was, again, so much respect for that man. Now, did he teach the way I've heard he taught was, he's going to hurt you, then he's going to teach you. He'll hurt yes. you, then he'll learn you. Yes. <laughs> you you have it right on the mat. He says to respect the business, you got to understand it. And out of all the workers that have gone through this business, which you gentlemen probably have seen, there's hundreds of them. And oh, yeah. if you can get one to two, if you can get two individuals last two years, that's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful. And he even told me that. He says, I'm going to teach you how to hurt people and respect that pain. Yes. So tomorrow you won't do it because the next day you're going to need someone to work for with. That's... And if you break everyone, hurt everyone, you ain't going to have no one to work with. Well, you need to know how to hurt them in order to know how to do not hurt, hurt them. them. Right. Exactly. And even karate experts, martial arts experts all do the same thing. They'll teach you how to hurt to fix them to teach you how to not hurt. Exactly. And that's what Walter did. Now, how do you feel like with, the the style of wrestling that was traditionally midget wrestling, the, yes. like the comedy ha ha spots and all of that, a lot of that has evolved now. Yes, uh, into like not I, I'll say real wrestling, but I think you know what I mean. Like not yeah. just the biting the butt, the but yeah, actual body exactly. slams and the old gimmicks, the old yes. that everyone like, liked. They were good at classics, but I've noticed as society evolves with humor and all of that stuff, those simple moves that you see on wrestling, it, it doesn't pass no more. It, it, they need that high flying, that continuous action. Boom, 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 boom. When I was training, we were basically taught three, three high moves, three to four high moves per match. 
and that was a 10 to a 15 minute match. If you yeah. needed more than that, you know, you're not selling to the audience. They're not buying it. Now it's boom, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. I think you just hit on it. Like in the way I always describe it is that old school wrestling, you guys told the audience what they wanted. Yes. The audience didn't tell you what they wanted. And I think now it's been dictated the other way around. It, oh, the table has spun. The table has spun. But that being said, I think if a, a, a real old school wrestler got in there, I think they'd have the audience eating out of their hands still. Oh, big time. Big time. Because many blessings to the workers they have now. And they're getting the experience that they need. And stuff, but if you throw an old timer in, like you said, the one that's been in the business for 10 to 15 years, even a simple armbar or a leg lock or anything like that, that old timer, male or female, will be able to sell it, quote, quote, to the audience and they'll can sell it and they'll see that and they'll respect that more than again, boom, 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 boom. And that's like you basically you take a person like William Regal. Yes, who, and or his various names. Now he's a classically trained old school wrestler, but he can sell the gimmick and make it look, you know, for the guy that just comes in in the typical tights and his little short, and he's in there, he'd make it work. Yes, he would be able to. Walter taught us very simple, a very simple armbar or hand lock or whatever to apply it. But just that extra two pounds of pressure or extra little pork on it can actually break, retrieve, dislocate your bone, your stuff. And then from there, just back on. And like you're saying, Regal, old school, knows how to bring it to that point and then back it off just again. So we have someone to work with tomorrow. I got a question that might make you cringe, and I apologize if it did. What was if the it claw? Has anything to do with my ex-wife, that'll do. <laughs> what was, what was the claw like? That hurt. That hurt. Um, simple things like hold the shoulder, locking into the shoulder blade, or the claw. If you don't have a washboard stomach and everything, even that, if you relax. Yeah. You can get those fingers in to those muscles and just hold. And from being, then even if you try to tense up, it that's going to hurt worse because your fingers are in between the muscles and the ribs. And Every, that area. Everybody I know that's come through Kowalski School is afraid and, of the claw. Oh, that's one of the and moves. If you guys don't know who are listening to this or watching this, Killer Kowalski was known for his, like infamous for his claw. Yes, he was. He had, I'm a big guy. I'm six, seven, six, eight, and I have a good size hand. Where's my, there we go. But his, his fingers look like they were about four inches longer than mine. Think of my head. He could go That's, like this and his whole hand was like that covering my eyes, my whole head. That's. That's killer's hand. <laughs> So I had to ask that because that was sort of like there's one more quote-unquote mark question that I think we want to ask, and that's who was in the school when you were there? Oh, at that time, I was even in before Triple H and China and all that. They came in a couple of months after me. 
Um, we had Chris Duffy, gorgeous Chris Duffy. A lot oh, of the work is one star. Chris Duffy, the pink assassin, was these were some of the guys that were coming through. And then because of when I went through it, I got called basically to Puerto Rico with Butch Cassidy, Haiti Kid, uh, Tiger Jackson for six months. And when well, you get into a territory, you're working six days out of the week. Right. And yeah, I, I fell in love with it then. Uh, what was Puerto Rico? That must have been tough. Uh, <laughs> well, put it this way there was an incident down there with, again, God rest his soul, Bruiser Brody. Uh, we, I was in the locker room. Me okay. and some of us were in the locker room when that went down. We had, um, I think it was Hugo Samovich we had on talking about that. Yeah. And that was such a, there weren't many people that were there. And the people who talk about it, the stories have changed. It's. But um, yeah. I think everybody knows at this point, like, what happened. Who, what, and, when. Yeah, right. They, and it's it was a sad time. But it also will show to the audience that how believable it can be. Yes. Even yes. within the locker room, how believable it can be. That's what was it like to work? Like, cause you've obviously done shows with Brody down there then like everybody, he seems like he was a lunatic and everything I've seen is he was funny. It was funny as anything. Cause he'd be sitting there in the locker room doing his thing, getting ready, cracking jokes. And even in the ring, if you had the mixed tag or you were out nearby, and he would throw you looks and you're trying to keep the straight face on <laughs> while he's bleeding or his opponent's bleeding, that duel was bleeding or he's bleeding. Uh, and John going, would no, stop, stop, stop making us laugh. We're not no. supposed to show this. But it was cool. He was a good man. He was a good man. Good soul. Now, now when that happened in the locker room, do you think – did you not get attention in the locker room when, like, the police were there because of your size, maybe? When that all went down, no one saw anything because it was, quote, quote right. hours. Yeah. Um, and when it went down, everyone kind of, oh, let's get that, how can I say, H out of here. We, and yeah. the cops okay. came in and started talking. But anyone that wasn't basically in my view was kind of dismissed. Oh, okay. And everything. Okay. And we're just like, uh, you knew what yeah, went down, but right. you didn't actually see it. So, okay, yep. goodbye. You know, that's, thank you. Have a nice day. What, what's crazy about that is how big wrestling was in Puerto Rico is like oh. there's people that think maybe the cops were lying about it too. They, it, it was a territory, and I hope it still is because that yeah, if you there want is. to learn about wrestling, that's where you want to go is into a territory. They believed it. They believed 100% that there's feuds and arguments and all of that stuff in between the boys. And a lot of times there are, but a lot of the boys will understand that that feud is in that squared circle. Right. After that, we're buddies outside. Now, how do you feel like in Puerto Rico? Was that allowed? Were you allowed to like, if you had your match, were you allowed to go out and have a beer with the guy that you wrestled? No, you weren't even allowed to stay in the same hotel. Is that right? Yeah. 
And when I went down with Butch Cassidy, Haiti Kid, Tiger Jackson, we were within the same neighborhood, um, but we weren't allowed to stay in the same hotel. We couldn't ride together um, the whole nine yards or be seen within public and stuff. Uh, I That's believe that, that, that the kayfabe for that actually was broken due to Hack Sergeant uh, Duggan in the INC. In the INC. Oh, were, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Well, they, they were arrested <laughs> yeah. together, leaving Madison Square Garden, pulled over, drinking and driving, smoking weed. Yeah, she got a she got a little bit of weed on them. My blessing. I'm not saying a word on that one, but those were the boys. Those were the boys. God bless them. We knew who they were. We're like, please get but, there safely. Yeah. At the at the time that happened, Sheik was at the top, and Hacksaw was like sort of in that mid card status. So yes. Hacksaw got Hacksaw got fired. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> That's, but that was the, and she, the, there was like nothing with Sheik on that, but that was the story there. The stories, I, I really wish some of those boys would write autobiographies and explain the locker room <laughs> atmosphere, the drives to the shows. Um, it's an atmosphere that I, I miss, seriously. That's... I did it for 15 years and I had to get out because of injury. And everything, but yeah, I missed it because you could not stop laughing or enjoying yourself. Now they didn't take the worker. Huh? They didn't take the worker out of you. I think Joe was about to say. Well, I was gonna say I think you should write the autobiography, and I have the title for you. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> A small peek into wrestling. That's way different than I thought you were gonna go. Yeah, my mind went someplace else too. <laughs> it's, I've thought of that. I go, my life, fact or fiction, you decide. There you go. And because That's... of what I've done in my life, who's gonna believe me from wrestling, <laughs> being body, being splashed by King Kong Bundy, um, Brody, as I said, and then doing what I've done from wildlife education to now blacksmithing. I can't argue. I can't argue for my life. And I'm honored to what these boys then taught me. They taught me, you fight for what you want. You fight for your belief. And thank you. Absolutely. Now, yeah. we, we, we went to Puerto Rico. Where Puerto Rico's part of the U.S. Yeah. But I'm yes. going to challenge you. We spoke earlier. You've been to 27 countries. Yes. Can you name them? Oh boy, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Denmark, Norway, Spain, Portugal, um, Jordan, Lebanon, all of Canada, all of Puerto Rico, most of Mexico, uh, part of Japan, I mentioned Japan, uh, all, again, all of Canada, Northern Territory, and you want to do a show, do a show for Eskimos, there's a show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are just some of them that I've had the wondrous opportunity of exploring. I have parts of the Berlin Wall. I swim wow. in the Dead Sea. I, as I said, I've been in five-star hotels, eaten with royalty, not on the same table, but during the same meal. And this is all honors that from wrestling that I've had the opportunity of enjoying. And that's why I say that's what I miss. Oh, do you have a Ribeiro Steakhouse jacket? Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, because the funny part is, is I'm 90% vegetarian. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I wouldn't, because of 
one of my other jobs, I was a wildlife educator. I babysat tiger cubs. And, I was gonna I was gonna yeah. ask if you learned that from Kowalski too. No, I really wish I did. And one of my as I said, I babysat tiger cubs. And That's... one of the tricks is you really don't want to smell what we feed them. Oh. So if you're eating steak and meat, that's what we're feeding them. You don't want to do that. And I that's... did that for about another 15, 20 years. Wow. That is, I, I have, a, um, I've been watching the, the TV show Zoo the past week, and I have, a, um, it's been giving me trust issues with the animals. It's a fictional story about if it, animals decided they didn't have to be afraid of humans anymore. Uh-huh. They'll so. they... They'll snap. You got to respect them. They're still a wild life. Yes. Still wild. I have animal trust issues now, so I, I now look up to you even more. But now here's a picture. <laughs> I want you to look eye to eye to a tiger. Oh, I've done it. No, being standing up as he's standing, and you are oh. face to face. Do you understand what yeah. I mean now? I, I see that now. Yes, and you're standing there that. going, praying to God, oh, please, I'm not a cat toy. I don't know, no. <laughs> so you see in the cartoons, like in his eye, you turn into a sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's. But I've that done is... that through King Richard when I went, when I've, when I've met you. Yes, where we uh, talked prior. With Doc Antle. Yes. And, and there were, a few years ago, me and the family drove down to his reservation in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. The Myrtle Beach yeah. Safari, and it was phenomenal. Then you knew you met Bubbles, the elephant. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I had to feed it. I think it was a squash or something. Yes. Again, I stand four feet tall. One of my animal <laughs> that I took care of was Bubbles. Okay. He broke out of his pen one day, and I joked with him. I said, "Now I'm going to have to tell Dad." Because here's this five, six thousand pound, twelve foot, thirteen foot elephant, and I'm standing there scolding him, pointing my <laughs> finger at him, saying, I'm gonna have to tell your father on you. He literally, my hand to the Lord, looked at me, <laughs> the horn, everything goes, and he wouldn't let me get to the main compound where the phone was. Because oh, he knew where it was. So I'm standing there with my cell going, Doc, hello. Can you come home now, please? We have a problem. We have a problem, Houston. Um, but oh, the memories. And he he knew. He knew what if I could get to the phone, he would get in trouble. And that was bubbles. Uh, he'd, get, he'd get a half a carrot instead of the whole one. Oh, no. we gave him chocolate cake. Have you ever get, given an animal a chocolate cake? The whole thing at once? No. It well, it it's enjoyable. It was stories. I have stories for those guys. Now, how did you get into the animal conservation stuff? Now, that's a good one, too. Doing the wrestling and everything. And one of the wrestlers, Butch Cassidy, from New York, which I would love to contact again, he got a gig doing stage fighting through a gentleman down there. And we were brought on to actually stage fight, Butch Cassidy and me, on how to handle broadswords and shields. And I fought with a staff. And all of that type of stuff. And that's how I got into it. That was the year that Coach Cassidy actually split my head open with the shield right across my forehead. He swung. I didn't duck enough. And the poor guy looked at me and said, uh-oh, what do I do? I said, you just made the midget bleed. I'd protect yourself. <laughs> and we went at it. Boom, 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 boom. 
ran in the back. I got ended up getting eight stitches across my forehead. And Jeez. he sat there and he said, are you okay? I said, it's business, my friend. I know you didn't mean it. Yeah. That's um, but that's a story. That's how I got into it, doing the fair. And then with Doc Antle, he looked at me and he said, you're one tough little beep, beep, beep. How would you like to babysit my tigers? Okay. <laughs> and he taught me what to do, trained me how to do it. And that's why I said I got wildlife education training. I school, as I said, professional wrestling. And now I'm getting blacksmith training. That's so you make weapons. Stage combat weapons. Do you make more than the short sword? Oh, I make all of them. And you should see me with a claymore. Oh. Exactly. Have you ever seen a four-foot guy with a six-foot blade? I don't want to. I recommend running. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to say all these little under-the-cuff under the remarks, you know, and it's yes. all fun, and you know that. But now that you mentioned you, you can wield a six-foot sword, I might want to, you know. Come down. Come down to yeah. King Richard's Fair. I'll stay over by the mud show. Yeah, opening weekend is September 4th. So come on down. We do come, we show you how to make them. And yes. That's come on down, my friend. You'd be welcomed in everything. And I will show you the end of the broadsword. I mean, yes, I will show you a broadsword. <laughs> now, do people go like you have to fit you must fit right in a King Richard's fear. Like so you're not only making the weapons, but you're also like an exhibit at the same time. Yes. Yes, I understand that question. And people will ask me that. And I basically tell them, we're all born short, fat, thin, tall, black, white, polka dotted. Doesn't matter. If it's in your heart, follow what's in your heart. Do what's okay. in your heart. And because of it, I, I can't complain for what I've been able to accomplish in my life. I cannot complain. Um, so if you want to do it, don't sit on the couch thinking you're going to do it. Get up. Go out and do it. Thank you for that. That's good advice. Now, what would you say to a family member who wanted to get into pro wrestling? Would you say the same thing? Uh, very quietly, I would ask them if they had any siblings first. Um, because if they've had siblings, they've had some wrestling experience. <laughs> um, beating each other up and all that stuff and then loving each other after. That question my friend i would have to look at the individual and say my first question would be why do you want to get into wrestling oh so i can be in the lights and camera and all of that type of stuff That's... and my first would be like not for you it's not for you my friend right. you would last about two weeks i think that has to be the second or third thing yes from what i've seen from people who've made it like that has to be number two or three but it's, it cannot be number one. No. It's, again, when I was being trained by Walter Killer Kowalski, when I first started training, he looked at me, and for the first week before I was even allowed to step into the ring, I was given a three-foot step ladder. Now I'm four feet. I was given a three-foot step ladder in those hard gymnastic mats there. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I had to climb to the top stand on the top and do a forward roll off the top, land on my back on the mat 50 times forward, 50 times back. Then after that, 
you would step into the ring and Walter would start to talk to you and train you. That also showed to me and Walter that your heart's into it, not your heart and your soul. You right. just don't look for the lights. And I did that for almost two to three months before I even was taught how to take a proper fall. Wow. Okay. Yep. So and it was just go up and do this, go up. So by the time you knew how to take the proper, by the time you were taught how to take the proper fall, you sort of already knew. Yes. Yes. Um, and that was when I stepped in to the ring and Walter said, are you ready? Now, again, I stand four foot. Walter's six, six plus <laughs> at this time. Um, he goes, you ready? And I said, yeah. The man picked me up and body slammed me in the middle of the ring. It's a long I way said, down. Yeah, that's a lot of weight and a lot of height. I'd still love uh, to have him. Long the way down. Yeah, and after he stood there and after my lungs basically caught up to me um, and I was able to breathe again, he said, you still interested? I said, yep, let's do this. And that's we went from there. Somebody just reported, and I just checked it online, too, and this is sad. This is um, Del Wilkes, who was the Patriot, the original Patriot, I believe. Ah, God rest his soul. Um, yes, I just heard. Just passed he away. Passed. Yes, God bless his soul. You know, that passed. was – I had to Google it to see which one because, of course, the that gimmick got passed down a little bit. Times, yeah, um, the original, yes. Yeah, that's – he was a – that was – he was a traditional wrestler look yeah. back then. Yes, he was um, the one that would work you. You had to work for your dollar, put it that way. Is that now did you get a chance because I don't think I mean you said you mentioned Bundy. Yes. Did you get a chance to wrestle with the um the quote unquote normal size wrestlers back then a lot? Uh, yeah or no. It was like a mixed tag and Mixed tag on some of them, but they didn't know how to quote quote handle us because all of a sudden I would be up around their head with my legs and arm wrapped around his head, <laughs> punching him in the head, and they don't understand how this little mm, get up here doing this to me. Um, and have you ever tried to get a suction cup off of someone? Because we <laughs> we've been taught as little people or quote quote midgets, um, you grab, you hold on. Because if not, you're going to go airborne. And if you've ever seen a little person bounce, <laughs> you don't bounce. <laughs> so you would. Like six feet tall, standing, like grabbing someone on the neck. That's like a six foot fall for you. That's. With all due respect, how tall are you? I'm six four. Okay. Now go up onto a 10 foot ladder and fall. No. Because it's, it's your height plus half of your height. I'm yeah. uh... He's six feet. And he's picking me up. Yeah, that, yeah no, no, not going to do that. It, it, it's an interesting thing. I do recommend going to the bathroom before training. That's... Exactly, because a couple of those slams, you just very quietly go, don't do that again. That's... Now, who was the... I don't know, not who was your favorite, but who was, like, the best person that you wrestled? Who was the one that you felt you got your best out of? Tiger Jackson, Claude Giroux, and nowadays his, his last mm. role was Dink, the clown. 
Okay. I was you wrestled and, him quite a bit too, right? Yes. And oh, he was one of my hardest components, uh, components and everything, because he knew how to work. He knew the old time wrestling and everything, but he also knew the comedy part too. He would have you in an armbar, wrist lock, and everything while goosing you. And <laughs> yeah, so he knew when to throw the comedy in, but he also knew when to work and how to work it. He was one of the only other midgets that I could actually do almost a 30 to a 40 minute match with. Wow. It would not be the same. And you, you wrestled him quite a bit. Oh, for a good 10 years. That's because that was one of the things that kept popping up. It kept every poster. It was you and him or you and Dana. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, Dana or Louie. Little Louie. <laughs> and, and Tiger Jackson, he was the television dink, right? Yes, he was. That was another. We all did television. We all did the pay per views the, when they had the Kings and the Turtles and the Lucha Libres and all of that type of stuff. I think I still have some of the costumes, actually. Um, but because of Tiger's wonderful personality and his height and everything, he's the shortest one out of all of us. He comes to my chin. Okay. And everything. So. He had that gimmick too. He had that so, gimmick too. Were you one of the ones that got splashed by Bundy on TV? Yes. At, that, and I don't want to say was, when because that's going to show me my age. Right, but that was like but what it you wasn't the big pay for per view ones. These were just okay. the local shows and all of that type of stuff. The like the local cables that went up east right. and west coast and uh, Puerto Rico and then Europe and all of that type of stuff like that. That's but, oh, you want your life passing before your eyes? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And yeah. And he, he's uh, great to God. One thing I wanted to do with him, and I tried so hard. I wanted him to splash me, but the man, God rest his soul, would wipe himself down with baby oil and stuff. A lot of the boys would do that just to protect yeah. their skin. Um, when he splashed me, I wanted him to stand up. So I could be sticking to his stomach. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Exactly. See my point? And then have him just look down going, oh, man, just like the old cartoons and just like peel it off. And I just fall <laughs> into a lump on the bottom at his feet. And he would walk out of the ring and end of the match. One, two, three. Right. Uh, but I couldn't stick to him because of the oil. And that we would laugh. And we would try and not to laugh in the ring so hard. And that was one of the early things. So you're biting your inside of your lip going, just bend me, will you get out? Thank you. We couldn't stop laughing. Now, you, when you're at King Richard's Fear, because that's sort of an interactive thing. Yeah, I like do that. You, that's more fun. Do you get to play with people at all? When I first started, yes. But now... Because I'm doing the blacksmith, and I'm in the kind of a controlled area. I have a forge going, so I have a fire and everything like that. But I get to deal with the kids because somehow I spark their interest. I don't know why. I think it's the beard. Um, but they'll ask me questions, so I still get to interact with them and explain to them about following one's dreams, doing what you want to do. And it doesn't matter who you are. You follow what you believe in. And... Mm -hmm. That interacting, I'm doing it during throwing jokes and comedy and all of that stuff. So it's not a quote, quote lecture or learning. It's a memorable experience. 
Now, getting back into the ring. Yes. In your in your your years of wrestling, your countless countries, and it's been all over the states. What belts have you ha- ha- held? Have you had any any titles? Yes and no. I've owned the New England Wrestling Championship from Tony Rumble and all that stuff. I actually have the belt still in my room and everything. But because I was a heel, um, I kind of always said I made the other guy look good. Right. You were always chasing. You got it. And that was Louie, back to Louie, one of my opponents. He was the one cheating. He was the one that was every time I'd get that shot, he would do something and it would knock me down a rank and hold me down because he knew if I got that shot, he would never get that opportunity. Hmm. Now you won, you have the actual, the new, the new England heavyweight title. Well, for dwarf, from for midgets. Yes. But you're okay. back in early nineties when I got that. Right. Okay. That no, but like, so Back in the day, like I didn't go to the independent shows. I was me and Joe were out of probably out of our teen years at that point, and I can remember like Channel Twenty Three in Boston watching yep. Tony Rumble shows. So yeah. I was a fan of that, and that was where I got introduced to guys like Taz and Sabu and uh, a lot of those guys that he would bring up before ECW was a thing. Yeah, I was gonna say now that's now we do a we do a thing on the show where we give away a figure every week i just gotta spin a wheel real quick okay um with a bunch of names of people who did some retweets for us um hang on one second this is uh i just have to share my screen and this will just take me a moment here. I used to be good with them. I have to have, I have, to have my teenager come here and help. I'm gonna shuffle my names up. A lot of people this week. Yeah, 28. Hey, it's appreciated. Thanks, folks. That's hey, it. Hey, we get a good winner tonight. We are giving away. I gotta That's look at what one. figure it is. We're giving away. I forget. Um, this is for a. Just wait. Let me see a Roderick Strong WWE Series uh, Chase figure. So this is one of the rare ones. There you go. That'll be a collector's item soon. Yeah, that's already. That's what we try for. We try to get the ones that are, you know, either an elite figure, like the the expensive ones, or we try to get something that's a a chase or a little more rare. Something that the individual will remember. Right. Yeah, let's see. Looks like we got. Oh, is this Tommy Flynn? It is Tommy Flynn. So Tommy is another. Tommy's a local kid. He's a Boston kid, uh, cancer survivor. So that's I like that. Good to him. We like Tommy. Is he win all the time? Is he one of the lucky ones? Um, he's won I think once before. Good for him. Yeah. Well, he's won um, twice. He. This is the third time. Then if he's won cancer once, which is a big win. Yes. And then these two. So yeah, good luck. Good job, Tommy. That's. I'll send him a message in a little while and let him know. 
Yeah. You guys mentioned about the belts. My wife was very kind and pulled this one up. This was the one that I oh, was able man. to get from Tony. And you're talking. Let's see if I can get this camera thing. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh... There you go. There you go. I can broaden us a little bit. That is awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So you actually and, got to keep the belt, huh? Well, no one's been able to get it off of me yet. Okay. Oh, wait. wait okay. Did, you, did I just hear the challenge get thrown out? Oh, I would never <laughs> do that because, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to embarrass this younger generation on us well, older gentlemen. I can tell you, I can tell you this now. If someone accepts your challenge, you're going to have JP and I escorting you to the ring. And I will, I will help you without cheating to retain your belt. I, <laughs> honestly, I think my wife stepping in would probably kick my opponent's butt. Um, but yeah, if we can do this, I would be on it for a sixty-year-old wow. man to step back in the ring. I can. Uh, I'll reach out to a few. I mean, there's. There's one, um, I think you sort of described him earlier when you described some of the other um, the wrestlers where he's not quite a midget, but he wrestles as one uh, because he's very close. Robbie Arujo, who's a good friend, um, and he tours around the country, but he's from uh, the Fall River area. So Really? That's not that yes. bad. No, no. In, but again, the old body, I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, I it's not the same. I run for his money because I've held this for over 30 years. That's yeah. That is something, and so that's why I'm saying it will be a fight. Well, then I think that's... what it can be is the Irish Leprechaun Invitational, <laughs> and then from in there, from there, there's like a little mini tournament, and I don't mean mini to be a to be a jerk. Like there's a tournament of wrestlers, yes. And somehow in the in in the turn about you're entered into it, but you no one knows about it. And when they're both all knocked out on the floor, you come in and pin them for the win. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, we won't give our secrets away, but <laughs> if anyone's willing to come forward and challenge, I mean, there's always that chance that they might take the belt from me after, again, 35-plus years. <laughs> Jeff, we get someone chiming in from the chat room. Uh, Charles Portalecki. He's an old friend of yours from high school. He's yeah, been... he he. I want he's my adopted brother. Right. Him and me started shows many many years ago, and God bless him. He is one of my friends that is six foot six, very hairy individual. Um, but I want you to picture me and him in tutus, long blonde wigs, doing a version of the Nutcracker in front of about five thousand people. And that's how we introduced each other back in senior year in high school. That is, awesome. that, yeah, that's it, it's a memory. I think I'm just getting over the treatment program from that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was it like going through high school? Like back then, um, were you treated differently? Did the teachers treat you differently? Did you get bullied more or less? Yeah and no. The teachers didn't know what to make of me. My my mom, God rest her soul, brought us up on, you want it, you go get it. Okay. And do it. And the kids, of course, nowadays, back then, again, kids are, can be very cool. And But I've learned 
take their words and let it bounce off you. Use that yes. negative for a positive. And right. now, as by the time I got to junior high, all of my friends from kindergarten and all of that stuff, all of my classmates were standing up for me. That's, and they wouldn't have let no one else because they said, no. you don't understand. That's not AKA midget. That's just. That's. But you never know either. Like I got bullied as a kid. I bullied him. I bullied ah, him. <laughs> and now, go. so Joe hung around with the kids that were a little older. Like I hung around with the kids that were our age, and Joe hung yes. around with his older brother and the kids that were a little older than us. So Joe was literally the one to be picking on me all the time. And now he's <laughs> now he's absolutely one of my best friends. So again, that my friend Charles there, which is my brother. Um, and his beautiful wife, Laurie, which I call my sister. And I joke, I go, my brother and sister got married um, to each other. <laughs> um, but they're good people. And, yeah, at one time, we were so mean, not mean to each other, but we learned to respect each other. Right. And now we're brothers. Well, and I learned I got less of a – I got less bullied than some of the kids I hung with because it was Joe bullying me and not not his brother and some of the other kids it could have been, so – yeah. When I was getting, that, was like, that wasn't mean. <laughs> <laughs> when I got bullied, I mean, bullied, bullied, slapped around type stuff. Yeah, I stood up, and because of me being younger and quote quote the only male in my family, um, I was able to move things. I and when someone is three foot tall at that time, suddenly picks you up and slams you in the middle of the playground. It just ruins your whole, oh, I slapped the midget. No, he kicked your butt. It turns the crowd. Right. You it have nothing. To your side. You yep. have nothing to lose by fighting back. No. And they have nothing to gain. Because if they beat you in a fight, then, all right, yeah, you just beat up, you know, you beat you up little it. Jeff. You beat up a midget. But if you get beat up by little Jeff, you just got your ass kicked by little Jeff. Like, little what, Jeff what's going can't. on? That's going to run with you for the rest of your life. Um, and sadly, but that respect was taught at an early age not to do it. That's and that's why I said by the time I got to junior high yeah, in high yeah. school, no one, they, everyone had the respect for me. And everyone's like, what do you prefer being called, a midget or a dwarf? And I said, Jeff. <laughs> and everyone behind me said, that's Jeff. That's not a that's midget awesome. or a dwarf. That's yeah. awesome. It's respect. That's, it's how you hold yourself and what you teach your locals and your friends. That's um, yeah, and that's the fact that kids know that better than adults is mm -hmm. says something. Yeah, <laughs> if, you know if you, exactly. If you watch the kids nowadays, they don't see color, shape, size. They don't see that. They're taught nope. that from their parents. Yes, and so, that's a shame. So. If anyone's listening, I know we have a few people who listen who have kids, but most of the people who listen and have kids are that we interact with anyway are very respectful. But if if you don't know better, learn from this, please, because yeah. mm -hmm. the stuff you see on TV at the on the news that's taught and that's taught at home. Yeah, let's cut it, it out. It is. If you want your child to be nice and respectful, teach the child that, but also teach your child the other side of the coin too what can happen you yes. can't just show one side 
You have to show both no. so they understand and respect it. That being, I think that's probably why you talked about it earlier, like about the kids approaching you and at um, King Richard's Fair. Yes, you're you're probably more approachable to them. You seem more approachable to them than someone who's six foot six or six foot eight. They know you're an older. They know you're an adult. You know, you have the beard. You're not one of them. But at the same point, yeah. they can look eye to eye with you and have a conversation, and that's not a bad thing. No, it, it's what, in my opinion, what I've learned. When we were kids, we were taught to respect our adults. 99% of our adults are bigger than us. That's taller, larger, right. all that. So that's one of the first things that a child is basically taught. If you're bigger, larger, you respect. That's why I don't like the name little person. Um, but as when a child sees me and stuff, they're more amazed because they're seeing the respect of an adult, but I'm not threatening because I'm not six foot tall, right. overpowering over them. I'm more their height. So they're able to open up and say, hey, uh, what's going on? Why are you little? Why are you like this? And I quickly explain to them. And my first thing depends on the age of the child. I'll sit there and say, I don't eat my vegetables. <laughs> and I open that comedy that, guys, listen what you can do. Grow to be big and strong. And if you're not, it doesn't matter. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and have love and faith for yourself because that is going to be your road in your life. We are telling we have oh, someone yeah. else in the audience that I know knows you too. He does. I don't know this person, but ah. I know he knows. He knows both of you, and he says one of you guys is an amazing person. That, that is Seth Carney. That is Seth. He is a very, very good man. Very talented man. He's one of the talented. Yes, he's one of the gentlemen that does the Ren shows with me. I see him there and everything. He's the only one that I know that can eat fire, throw fire, swords, and all of that type of stuff. Um, and still very be talented man, very talented man. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him now since he's listening. Hey, Seth, when are you gonna come on the show? Right, that's been a yeah. year or two. Yeah, yeah, and he <laughs> he would be good for this and everything again because he's talented. We might even try. You know what? Maybe we'll take the show on the road and do it live at King Richards. There you that go. That would be that would be interesting. That would go because and also speak to. Um, M.A. Shapiro and Bonnie them who run the show because quote quote that's PR for them. Yeah, free advertising. You got it. Talk to that's... them about that, and they people can see who, what, where, when. Because as I said, like Sess and myself and a couple other individuals, the the unique characters are there, and we would love to see it. No, definitely. I'm going to okay. reach out, and uh, you know, I'm using your name. We spoke about it as a little. Reference. Yeah, tell them I said to go to them and tell, explain who you are, what you are, and everything like that. And they might go, hmm, good idea. Come on down. Yeah, that, I think that would work. I hope it does, my friend. I hope it does. Right. That's yeah. And everything. And you can see, like, the talent, like, Seth and all the other talent that is through there from the cat shows and the, the sword making and even knights. burlesque. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you want to tell them about the burlesque you took me to? Oh, yeah, please I, do. Yeah, I oh, didn't think do. you would. I didn't I think you would. Show. 
That was the where was it? What was the name? The Midway Cafe in Jamaica Plain. Uh-oh. Yes. It was, um, <laughs> let's just say for two men who were raised Irish Catholic, yeah. it was shocking. It was very the, entertaining. The performers, the performers literally came up to us afterwards and said, What the hell are you two doing here? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just gonna sit there going, hi guys. Um, they saw some interesting it, it is stuff. A good talent. So Seth is gonna drop the uh, PR lady a message, and I'll follow it up with an email, and we can try yeah. to make that work. I hope now, it does, kids. You got a good talent there. You got a good man and a good talent there. If we do it live at Thank the you. fair, we can have Thank everybody you. pop in and pop out throughout the show. There you now, go. Jeff, we've just hit an hour. Um, Already? Oh, my stars. Right? Where where can people find you? Like, you know, are you on the internet? Are you I'm um, on the internet? I'm on, quote, quote, like I mentioned, we had computer issues because I'm relocated, move, and all that stuff. I'm on the internet under my name, Jeff Ludy, and stuff. And I'm also the, the Leprechaun Legends is also one of my pages, too. And you're able to go see some of the pictures that I've done overseas and all of that stuff. Me, midair, flight, all of that type of stuff. Um, it's actually even on my webpage on Facebook on some of those pictures, too. I will check that out. Yeah, you can contact me through my Facebook page and all of that stuff. And once okay. I get everything running, I'll let everyone know what, who, where, when. And awesome, and we will. If you can't find Jeff. You can get him from me. He's on my friend's yep. list. Same with uh, yeah, I'm on as well. Oh, I'm on it. Same guys. Same. You know, that's now, guys. You can get us at, at Three Irish Boys um, next week, Fourth of July, guys. No show next week, but we'll be back the week after. So, the week after, we'll be back with the tattoo artist talking about tattoos and wrestling. Yes, and working on a couple go. of big ones. There you go. It'll be a good show. Tune in, folks. It's going to be a good show. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. No problem, man. Thank you for having me.